Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. Hello, dearies. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, episode 53. We have probably an interesting situation going on today because I'm starting off in the reverse format of my usual broadcast situation, which is I have my Linux box over there hosting the Undersampled account, and I'm on Windows, so expect me to crash into oblivion at some point as per usual. Hi Matt. Hi. Hi, how's it going? I'm I'm on a I'm on a phone today. We're Android. Professionals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on an on a Nexus 5X. Yeah. So I really like I really liked the four, the Nexus 4, and I said to myself, I'm just gonna buy five of these and use these forever. But uh-huh. I really like the 5X now more than I did the four even. Um, but I'm also I've got my, the reason I'm down there twice today. On the bottom uh, of the screen. At the bottom of the screen, in case you're watching, is I've got my laptop on the Ethernet as backup, just in case something horrible happens to my Wi-Fi. Yes, indeed. But I, and I'd quite like to hear, so what, just briefly, Graham, what is your Linux machine? This is something you built yourself, I assume? Oh, yeah, the hardware? Yeah, it's just a, uh, Workstation motherboard with some wood, you know. It's got a it's got a decent graphics card. I built this this particular box many years ago, so it's it's uh, antiquated now. But um, you know, it's a workhorse. It does the job for undersampled radio. Your 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 vision is crystal clear. I can see. Thank I you. Mean, Matt's, Matt's view is camera is obviously well very <laughs> very pixely. Yeah. Can I call it? Yeah. And yours is that's... like. I think that's a function of internet speed. It may also be that you're the only one that actually shaved today. <laughs> that's right. I'm just, yeah, I, that's full resolution. I'm just naturally fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so, but I wouldn't mind hearing what what sort of computer you you're on because I'm. You already mm-hmm. mentioned to us before we started that you're on a Linux machine, but I, and again, I, I assume you built it yourself. No, I. Uh, you can assume that, but I'm not into that kind of thing. Okay. I uh, I have a uh, eight core uh, thing from 2011, but it's still reasonably okay. But I bought it to be reasonably okay for at least eight years. So perfect. <clears throat> okay. That worked. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a good machine. Yeah. Got two more years to go on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially because the the screen kept growing, so it's now I have this 4K, 2K. Yeah. Uh, monitor and that that means that I don't like working at laptops uh, anymore. It's yeah, right. To, also, the keys I don't like it at all. Not enough keys. What is is it? Is the 4K screen is that worth the uh, worth the upgrade? Absolutely, there's, yes. there's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and and it's it's less than it used to be. I think uh, I think it's still like yeah. Well, it depends on your currency. But I think it's like six seven hundred euros, but. Oh, you, you get that's not bad. You get it. It's unbelievably nice. That's it's nice because under twenty thousand Canadian. 
<laughs> instead of having two monitors, you can you know have one monitor and fit the same yeah. amount of junk on one screen. It's really nice. <laughs> All your junk in one place. <laughs> hey, can you tell? Did you see? <laughs> hold on. Did you guys see uh, James Micken's spe uh, speech about how I how I became a developer? He talks about optimal window placement. It's hysterical. You can, I don't know, just look it up on YouTube. James Mickens, I think it's called How I Became a Developer. It's so okay. funny. Um, Matt, did we have a contest last week or something? Yeah, we did, didn't we? Uh -huh. Oh, my goodness. And you're oh, going to ask me. No, no. I thought you were prepped. I'll do it. If you okay, so. <laughs> I, I, can, I can remember the question. Okay. Um, the which question. was a question, actually, I'd. Uh, where did I see it? Oh, I bought this little book um, when I was in Cambridge, as I already mentioned last week. Um, I bought a little book of puzzles, and it's it's a book of puzzles by a math professor, and he gives these puzzles to his undergrads. And I thought, oh, that sounds cool. And one of the puzzles in there was this coin puzzle, and the challenge was to make a dollar out of the standard um, US or Canadian coins, so one cent, five cent, 10 cent, 25 cents. And um, I couldn't believe I'd never heard this puzzle before because it seems so sort of elementary and it's so elegant. And so the puzzle is um, to make a dollar out of 50 coins exactly. And since we were trying to give away one or more copies of 52 things, we had a follow up puzzle which was to make a dollar out of exactly 52 coins. And the follow-up puzzle to both of those is, which I think we didn't ask people for, because we just asked people for one solution. Um, but the, the follow-up question, I guess, is how many ways are there to meet both of those requirements? True. We, we should have asked that. And uh, so we received <laughs> many, many correct answers. And so as promised, we drew the winner out randomly out of a hat. Um, the hat, in this case, being a one-line Julia script written to announce an arbitrary, a random integer. So, the winner this week is Jorge Fernandez. Nice. On, on swap. So we will we will be what we'll be sending, Mr. Fernandez. Uh, I'll send I'll send Mr. Fernandez. Um, a, uh, a couple of 52 things books. The one that just came out, 52 more things you should know about paleontology. And um, maybe I'll just ask him which other one he'd like. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> cool. No, that was fun. Um, there, it turns out that there are, um, how many ways, Matt, did we? Did we uh, well, there are, I, I remember that there are only two ways of doing it for 50 coins. Right, okay, one, two. And there's, um, there's four ways to do it with 52 coins. Right. I'm not including quite an elementary way, or at least one that seems sort of it seemed obvious enough to me that I couldn't quite believe I hadn't thought of it while we were on air last time. Fifty pennies and two quarters. There you go. <laughs> Why don't you uh, introduce our guest, Matt? Uh, okay, yeah, I'd love to. Um, this week we're welcoming Bert Bert Brill. Bert is one of the co-founders of. DGB Earth Sciences in um, Enschede in the Netherlands. They're an um, awesome uh, software and consulting company. Uh, I'll, I'll let Bert tell the story of the founding, because actually I don't know that I've 
heard that story, but I'm quite interested in it. Um, so along with Paul de Groot, because uh, I, I believe the, the company was called de Groot Burrell. That's how I kind of came across it when I started my career way back in the late 90s, probably. And then it changed to DGB at some point. So well, welcome, Bert. You modernize, right? You start with you, the full-length thing, and then you say, "Well, okay, let's <laughs> let's make the abbreviation because that's that's how it works." Fast days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone abbreviates yeah. it anyway. So, where are, are you in Enschede right now? No, I'm in uh, Utrecht at the moment, and Enschede oh, yeah. is actually pronounced Enschede, but that's obviously. If if you if you can speak Spanish, you can also say Enschede. <laughs> <laughs> Enschede. Okay. So uh, I would I like say. Uh, Graham should be able to uh, to pronounce it because he's yes, near. Because yeah. I'm near what Mexico. Yeah, yeah, you should be speaking Spanish, <laughs> right? Yes, I wish. Andre and Paul de Groot, then he's also. Yeah. So, what do you want? You want to know the story of the foundation of the Paul de Groot, of the Groot Bureau of Sciences? Uh, I can do that on many levels. <laughs> so uh, I can okay, say something. Sorry, first one. <laughs> Please perform it as a piece of dance uh, okay. composition. Okay, well, it's going like that. <laughs> uh, dance isn't really a level. Uh, no, sorry, I have to say it's more that. of a medium. <laughs> no, no, but let's just say that that um, in 1992, Paul. Uh, well, in 90, from 1990 to 1992, Paul was doing all kinds of stuff within Shell, where he worked there, with neural networks to predict all kinds of, well, what we would call now lithology fluid prediction stuff on seismic data. So directly with neural networks, which was then by, at that point in time, revolutionary and, and nobody really did it. At a certain point, he, uh, well, he discovered all kinds of fun things and he wanted to start for himself. So he more or less started for himself. And then he came into contact with TNO, which is the, let's say, almost like a Dutch national research organization. Nowadays, there's still, uh, TNO is still in, uh, in Utrecht, also in this uh, town, with uh, the, the, the Dutch, uh, well, it's, it's, it's the National Dutch Geological Survey combined with TNO itself. So it's, it's quite a big, for our standards, uh, research organization. At least it's the national. He came into contact with these guys and they said, well, if you come to us, you can basically put in your stuff. Let's uh, develop it here because we know how to do that in three years. And then afterwards, you can take your stuff and leave. Uh, and we give you like uh, 200K now and you can get it back when you go away. Or no, it's the other way around. <laughs> you, yeah, he got 200K and he had to pay it when he went away. So uh, in those three years, uh, he first had two years of development. And he thought he had a big thing there. Um, and then we get to another level, basically, is that we also did, uh, we uh, played football, soccer. We do call it okay. soccer. We call it football. And it's just, uh, we did that against the guys of uh, artificial materials and rubber. So um, that was every week on Thursday. Uh, and at that point in time, uh, we were always winning. So it wasn't was always a good thing, but at the end, Paul came to me and he said, when we were just in the uh, in the lockers, as, as you call it, he said, "Well, I've been talking to your direct uh, manager, and I, said, I can get you. What I've seen is that we have a problem. We have a problem. We have 95% of the software is made, 
and for some reason we don't can't get the last five percent done hmm. so i said well heard that before he said i've seen that you can actually do that i said well it's too much honor and everything and he said but the it, explicitly you have the tendency to rebuild everything and you can't do that here it has to be just finished i said well you know i'll see what i can do i'll, I'll first make an inv inventorization of what we have and then from there we can go so i did like two weeks of inventory well actually one week with that but after two weeks i came to him with two a4s of paper so two uh two over here there were two diagrams on were exactly the same diagram the first one i gave him i said i think this is what you want so i did a lot of talking and uh, there were like 12 functions on it like you want first you want to read all the data then you want to uh extract all kinds of stuff from that and etc at the end there was like and here you apply it and you get results and we discussed they say yeah that's exactly what i want to say okay and then this the next one is what you have now <laughs> And basically, one of the things was colored in half, and the other one, there was one other one which had like 10%. And I said, the rest you don't have. It's not there. It's everybody's just giving you thick reports that were printing out, and they had stuff on the screen directly from some kind of. It wasn't there. It's simply not there. Sorry, but that's how what software houses do. <laughs> they basically print out thick reports, and that's what you have. They make all kinds of stuff that you never need, but it's good for their CVs. It's good for the resume. Right. The requirements have been met or whatever. No, but, they don't. But the actual goal was never reached. <laughs> no, it, it's not even that. There, there wasn't even a requirements document. There was nothing. There oh. were only documents of interfaces that were print, uh, printed out. But I can, I can go on and on. But it's really like they had, they had chosen uh, libraries to work with. They had all kinds of... Uh, functions that would be needed in the future. Et and if you look up the history of Open Spirit, I, you can recognize exactly the same thing. It's exactly yeah, right. the same thing. There was this company, and they made all kinds of stuff first that didn't have anything to do with the actual thing that needed to be made. But that was the idea of the day. I mean, that's waterfall model. You just start with all kinds of stuff on this extremely high level, and then you just generate all kinds of reports and you just and well basically i just cut right through everything i said well, you know we, we have to rebuild it there's no way i'm going to work with this kind of shit um is this beeped i mean i but so uh were, were you uh this was were you at tno as well or were you an external uh, yeah, guy was, at this point so i had already worked there for like two years Okay. And that's what Paul saw, what I did. What I did was basically I went on this project and I made sure there were actual things there. Which was you, until, that, until that locker room conversation, you'd been working on other stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's why right. he knew he wanted me. Yeah. So from then, so he got me and I basically rebuilt the thing in less than a year. And, and, and then there was a big and there was a big fight because Tino wanted to keep it because it was so successful it really worked and <laughs> everything way better than we thought it was going to be yeah. <laughs> well this is actually so at a certain point we got investment from the same company from Tino it's not really a company but they also have an investment branch which hmm. is basically meant for this kind of stuff they put money into these spin-offs right it was already in 1995 so and we talked to this guy and this guy he said you know 
and they said we, we told them like okay there's big problems you know they they're threatening all kinds of stuff he said this is exactly why i want to put money in you guys when it's good it always happens this is the thing that happens yeah right because the the people that that have first neglected you and said oh it's good they suddenly realize there's something real there and they get angry <laughs> so they want to keep you and of course we we went out and we uh, so i had to rebuild everything again because it oh, wow. was the difference between but so that would so uh, the first two three years i worked like 90 hours a week really <laughs> so not right. not just i'm not except that's not an exaggeration because it's really hard to work 90 hours a week but i really did it <laughs> but then at a certain point we had a project called geopro and we um we did a lot of stuff with it and then then came in that we could actually so that the next part is really Statoil related so at a certain point Statoil came to us and said well we have this 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 thing here we, we know how to do it but we can't get it uh done in any software so hmm. what the problem was that they wanted to find chimneys you know these uh things in seismic data where right. you can see where the hydrocarbons went and that's because it's a little bit chaotic it's always vertical and they said, well, you know, we have this this idea of, you know, just cross-correlating some traces and then do some stuff. And so um, this was uh, Roar Hegland. Exactly, Roar Hegland, the famous mm. one, mm. who's still, um, yeah. And, but it's also Paul Meldau. Don't right. forget, Paul Meldau is really like the artist. <laughs> and Roar Hegland is really uh, the guy who, who wanted this kind of stuff. And then they were friends so I gather, but anyway, so they uh, they went together to us. They came to us, and, and because we already did some work for them, and then I started to think about what could really bring out these things. So we devised neural networks that were basically working on multiple levels of the data, and then uh, do all kinds of attributes. So we had to have an attribute engine. For that, we took in Chris Tingal, which also like mm. history because you might have known him chris is now actually no longer in the oil industry which is a big uh, bleed off because he's really really good yeah, it's, it's actually the best designer i've ever met wow. and um that probably includes me <laughs> no, <laughs> no really i mean he's he's really good but he's now working for a software security uh, company right so well, um Anyway, so he, he made uh, an attribute engine and we started working with it and we made, you know, we could really get out these chimneys that they wanted and on the maps you could even do lots more with it. They mm. showed all kinds of features about ceiling capacities and, and, and hydrocarbon migration paths and those kind of things. So uh, that was a real success. And then at a certain point they said, why we have to go further. We have to basically make software for everybody. So we first started with Detect in cooperation with a company from Norway that I won't mention here. And that company is, is, there were really talented people there. The only problem was that they were the 95, 5% people again. And so no, no, that's not really true. They were, they could actually make something. The problem is they always said, we are flexible, we can do anything. And then we said, well, if you can do anything, please do this because that's what we now need. <laughs> And then they didn't do it because they were doing other things. Right. And and that was like, and, and the, the, the last bit, well, the real problem that we had at a certain point that Paul was at, at a conference, I think it was EAG conference. And we were next to the guys from Petrel. 
And these guys from Pixel, they had this nice spinning demos in 3D and everything. And we had this thing that went like, you know, like 0.5 frames per second. And it was like, what the hell? What is going on? You can do that on a laptop and we have this big machine here. And then the guy said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have put it in texture. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, I could have done that. But I put it on a horizon with, with, with triangles, etc. And it wasn't... And then two weeks later, he had it, and, and we were just like, unbelievable. <laughs> like, how can you do this? How can you? Because they were simply not interested in, in, in what we did. So at a certain point, we cut that off and, and started all agreed that it wasn't, because it was a Norwegian company, and they had brought us in contact with them. They were actually, they, they would have been a good match, but we couldn't just get on the, on the level of actually making it work. This is actually the, one of the, the, the common things I, I, I'm always in, I always have this problem with people thinking on all kinds of technical levels and details, and, but it's important to get something really there that's really working, that's not mm -hmm. just vaporware. Sure. But anyway, so, so we had to then uh, go on with Detect ourselves, and then we got this idea. I think Paul was the first one to, well, we had always been playing with it, but Paul at a certain point said, well, you know, we can just do it now. I think we should just go open source. So we're talking about 2002, maybe. Mm. That was un unthinkable for most oil in the oil industry. Yeah. Open source, I mean, it's, it's still like, it's like if you have something from academics, they just throw it over a wall and then it's open source. But we really started to figure out how to do this thing, how to make people, how to make it actually work what kind of stuff you have to do, how to open up the interfaces so other people can can basically also program against it, etc. And, uh, well, you know, by 2017, we're probably not the most open software that's around there. Although, you know, if you look at advertisements, of, let's say, for example, Ocean from Pritwell, they call themselves open. So, sure. well, they're open if you start paying them 30K in American dollars, not Canadian dollars. <laughs> so how so, long was it between the time that you guys spun off on your own and released all that open code? That is like eight or nine years, eight or nine years. And in the meantime, I had like two open heart surgeries. So you can see there's lots of things going on there. So what's what's going on now? Is there? I mean, is it still active? Is Open Detect still actively being developed? Yes, that's what I'm doing all day, basically. Yeah, yeah. My 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 job is is to well, I I, I basically do a lot of work with the people in India, but my my goal is uh, what I'm doing now is 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 make sure that that we can get to next releases, etc. So the, we we work. Our users do a lot of pushing in terms of what they really need and i do pushing on the level of that we really become like cloud ready and those kind of things so i really make sure that the next release will actually have something that's not outdated and that's well you know if you look at how how, how old this is it's like 15 years old mm -hmm. and i think it's still alive it's still being used yeah enthusiastic and you know, although I think you could make stuff nowadays quicker with Python, etc., I still think it, it's it's good value. So still, we're still in for like quite some years 
that we can do stuff, especially as we have some nice, nice products and nice things that are quite unique. How, for, for the audience who doesn't know much about Open Detect, how does one contribute to the project um, in terms um, of donating code or whatever? Well, um, I'm actually not the best person to say, but you should talk to Wayne Morg or somebody like that. But it's you just download everything, you build it. It's now dependent on only two real things, Qt and uh, OSG, which are both open, so no problem. And then you there's like this this tool that you can build, make your own environment, development environment, which I never use because I do a little bit different. But then, then you can start building the plugins. So a plugin is basically you don't have a main, but some functions are called from OpenDetect. And then you can use the entire interface of OpenDetect. Uh, we have early, from early on, we have chosen not to make special APIs, mm -hmm. so which is the trend is like you basically have like a body of software and you make a, a, a shell of APIs around it. But we basically just deliver all the objects uh, as as they are, so there is no special API at all. Everything is just as we also program. It. So there is no you're you just have the same situation as we people at DGB have. The only thing is that at DGB we have a couple of libraries that we use internally, mm -hmm. uh, like you know like uh, neural network stuff, uh, deep steering, um, uh, all kinds of fault uh, uh, fault tools tools to to detect faults and faults and those kind of things. But that's basically it. Oh, and and of course Horizon Cube technology, mm -hmm. which is like um, comparable to. Um, but what we basically think is that if you make horizons, if you pick them, then in between the seismics contains the information for all these micro horizons. Mm -hmm. That's basically what we call a horizon cube. And once you have these things, you can basically do many, many things that you couldn't do before. Because instead of always having to do horizontal comparisons, you can now follow the dip. Because you know that this, this dip is actually, in many cases, uh, a real timeline, a real stratigraphically strategi uh, uh, important uh, thing. Yeah, right. So it, it opens up all kinds of possibilities uh, that that's, that's just go way beyond flattening things. Yeah, how does it, yeah, does it really kick how, surfaces in between the horizons? Yes, it, 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 in a way it does that, but, but it uses more uh, hardcore geophysics. To, uh, is it using plane wave destruction to, to figure out where the surfaces lie, where, what the geometry? No, it's not really the surface. What you the only thing you really need is what is the local dip yeah. in your in your seismic data. That's that's really what you need. And then then of course there is always the problem of if you go in three D, if you go from here to there to there, and you come back, you never make the loop completely right. So hmm. that's the kind of struggles that we still have, and everybody has them. Because it's it's really not, but 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 once you have this in place, you 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 can do much better like coherency or a similarity we call it. Uh, you can do uh, all kinds of continuity stuff much better. But you can also do attributes along these micro horizons at any point, and that means you can make new cubes that are not made by making attributes on in a in a horizontal way, but following the real stratigraphy that is in the seismics. Very cool. Yeah, well, 
That's what I thought. It's actually not something I've done a lot about. It's it's something that the rest of the team and I'm I've been uh, one of the things that I've done all all the times. For example, is segway handling, uh -huh. basically because I just couldn't. I just couldn't give it to anybody else. Not because I like it, but because it's just it's too shitty. It's really such horrible right. stuff. I, right. I've wasted well, I, I put that I think in one on on Slack lately. I put like a year of my life in into this 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 dung heap that they call <laughs> Segway. It's really awful. And then and then we got Segway Revision One and, and and that was really good. The only problem is there's so many non-segways, so that actually gave me more work. But in the end, once you have people in segway, and we could actually be making segway revision one, then everybody at least knows where the inlines and cross lines are. You know where, where are the coordinates? Yes, yes, we know now where they are. Thank God. And then, of course, well, I, we've had this discussion, but segway revision two, I think, is a step back because mm. we can't do all these things, and it just requires us to make software that is countering all the problems that you can get right I don't, the, I don't have the problem of i don't my seismic data isn't variable length doesn't right. have all kinds of different sample rates it's it's yeah. it, it needs stuff and, is that the and, problem that the format is basically trying to be all things to all users like yeah. it's just so flexible yeah. that it's think, not a format anymore <laughs> I could look it up, but I probably typed some this uh, like stop trying to make a complete database out of this segway file. Mm. It's not what we want. What we need is to have something that's even interoperable between domains. Yeah. That simply gives me a couple of samples that I know where the fucking where the bleeding samples are. Sorry, I have to yeah. be careful. This is I'm Dutch, you know. We can say anything, but you guys can't uh, probably. So I have to be so. But that's all you need to know. Where are these samples? Where are they located? Yeah. That yeah, means, of course. I mean, it, basically, it needs more rules and fewer sort of allowances and ways exactly. of coping yeah. with. Yeah, I agree. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a well, you know, it, it, seismic it, researcher, I made but. A document for, for BG at a certain point. So, Bridge Gas, uh, well, I made it for Bridge Gas, but they didn't really ask for it. But I was really like, what if we would want to make this format? What, what, would, we, what would we need to do? And there's all kinds of things like we would have to have you know on every platform, every all languages and everybody. But one of the things is what you need is is for this metadata, you need an independent group of people who who make decisions about it. Yeah. And they have to make decisions, and but there's now all kinds of tools that you can make these decisions not hurt anybody. Right. One thing I'm thinking of is is a, an intelligent search tool. So okay, you have to think about because if you're programming, that means if you have if you get programming examples, very often they say you can get, let's say, the short point number uh, by doing this and that and that. The problem is I have to be able to get it reliably. And if they say, well, if it's not there, it may be there or it may be in that, oh, it's already no longer an issue because then I need human intervention or I need big time artificial intelligence. Hmm. So what do I think of? I think of a system in which you can simply say i need something that is described like this if it isn't there then i would like to have that and if that isn't there i would like to have that and how can i do that because i can read the menu i can read what this standards committee has said 
the standards committee has said, if you are going to add a short point number, then it has to be in this way. And you can get this sub-label on it if it is a short point number that is from the field. And you can get that sub-label on it. So basically, you're just describing not like this is like a dictator, but you're just saying, if you do it, try to do it like this, because that guarantees maximum interoperability. And that's mm -hmm. what you want. Because when you make software, you want to be able to read as many, as much data, as many types of these files as possible. Even from the earthquake guys. Yep. I have nothing against the earthquake guys. It's just that I feel that their problems are a bit different from mine. Yeah. But if I, at least I know how to find the stuff that I need, I can, I can either get it or I can throw the towel. But that's it. So that would, for me, would be the top priority. It's nothing to do with, with super fast access and parallel execution. It has something to do with real simple project management and simple procedures yeah. around it. And, and, and I'm always saying we need somebody like Matt to lay out. It, it, it has to be, there have to be people that you cannot dispute. They have the, yeah. the heart at the right place, which already rules out maybe even me, but especially the guys from the big companies. Yep. Because right. they're always in political. They're always doing this. They can never speak freely. No. And, and we don't need it because we have enough people, retired people. We have people like Matt who are, who are simply above all suspicion. Right? And it's, it's not like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we should just grant them <laughs> some of the SEG money that I pay every year. And, and that's it. So, so yeah. that for me is the, the important part. The important bit is how are we going to manage this whole thing? How are we going to make sure that we have something that is an, an attractive proposition even for the oil companies? Yeah. I know. I and and, and like... my guess, yeah, sorry, yeah. Well, just like, you know, I, I wish we had sort of rapid data access problems and like arbitrary file access problems. Like I wish those were the problems we got to think about, but actually we just get to think about where on earth are these traces? <laughs> yeah, How are they organized? Exactly. It's like those are the problems exactly. we have. And that's why you say revision one was such a, such a, it was almost a revolution. Revision one told me exactly where to find what I need. Right. What do I need more? So currently, I think, let's just stick with SegWi files, but like make a standard access layer on top of it. Because that that's what I need. I need to know where to find my stuff and how it's yeah. how it gets to me. I don't care one bit. But well, I want to be able to make interoperability much more functional. I mean, you know, you're talking about all these companies now who are, as you say, putting their software in the cloud, having um, algorithms work in distributed systems and uh, being able to incorporate open data uh, from disparate sources in a in an automated way is only possible if you can you know do that uh, yeah. in, a, in a sort of pervasive in a in a reconcilable uh, manner one guy that I work a lot with is Charles Jones he's now started his own company too he's, he's got, he worked for bridge gas until uh, I think the first of January, but maybe a little bit early. And he's now he's now has his own company called Also Key, and they're basically doing this with artificial intelligence. So just before he went, because they were taken over by Shell, as you may know, Bridge Gas Shell, uh, he I think it was 
well, maybe I'm, I'm affected wrong, but it's like a million SegWi files, and they all figured out where the inlines and crosslines and those things were with, well, let's say high level artificial intelligence. So, they, and I, I can see how to do it, but it's just that I don't have the time. It's, it is kind it's of quite silly. simple because it, well, it's quite simple. But still, you have to have all kinds of resolutions. But in the end, you're looking for uh, inline numbers. They always go with a step, and then it stays the same, and then step stays the same. And crossline numbers is like a sawtooth. Right. right. And, and and that's the kind of thing that you need. And then the coordinates, well, they have to be within a certain system. Then you try to find out, maybe from some headers, whether you can find out what the actual coordinate system is and those kind of things. Yeah. Where did they get a million SegWi files? It's they they probably have, but it might also be a hundred thousand. But I always tell this story, so it's impressive. So I say a million. But <laughs> I, I, I'm not inviting. If Charles is listening to, to, to get, come in and tell me what it really is, a lot of files. And, um, and, yeah. What, what do you think about open data? Where where can we start to store our open data, and where can we find it? Well, you know, we, reproducibility, we man. Something. Some time ago, and that, that's but that's basically in our open DTEC format. But if you have it in open DTEC format, then at least you know how to make the segway out of it and you know what yeah. you have. And yeah. if you get it out of open DTEC, you know where the well is located, you know what the sample rate is, etc. And, and we may not have the most standard system of the all, so we have a couple of these, these uh, yeah, surveys we call them, and I think they're heavily used. Because yeah, it's, well, at least it's test data for all kinds of algorithms, right? Somebody, yeah. somebody was joking. I think it was the uh, uh, machine learning and seismic interpretation uh, session at EAGE, and um, can't remember. Evan told me this story, but somebody joked that it should have been called the F three session because, yeah, I think because every single data set was the F three data from CNO and the, and you guys. Yeah, it's, it's actually, so maybe we should get gravity, but it was actually donated by Wintershill. Oh, uh, okay, thank you. Uh, so donated in a way, but they, they said, well, you know, it's okay to, to publish it, which is quite a bit in many circumstances. But nowadays, I think there's an explosion going on because you can see all data sets have to eventually go to the government and they mm -hmm. are now being made uh, available. Right. And, but we all have seen what happened in the UK. And I think, but they're now, you know, that was, you went to this portal and then you had to choose something and then the cashier came, you know, right? So mm. it's, it's like, only if you stayed under a certain amount of megabytes, it was to be free. That is not open data. Mm. Open data right. is that you know exactly what you have and that you can download it as much as you want. And it's in, and all the governments want this, so they should sponsor the download costs and that's it. But the error they made again is to give it to some kind of big company who's supposed to be able to do these things. Yeah. And and they're able to do it, but they always have their own agenda. So that's right. um, I know. Yeah. So OpenDetect's got the Open Seismic Repository, which I've just yeah. put a link into the show notes if you're looking for it. What's what's the future? Uh, what's the plan for the Open Seismic Repository? I I, I honestly wouldn't know. I mean, we we try to grow. And, and we are now making like a, a portal for, for the Dutch North Sea. But that, that is, and we want it to be fully free. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, we cannot pay Amazon right. ourselves. So we need government subsidization. 
as soon as we have that, it will be fully free. We'll generate the SegWi files probably on the fly. Mm -hmm. We have our own internal storage format that's quick and that you can that has all kinds of extra data on it. Mm. And and that's it. And open seismic the repository, we could put anything in it, mm -hmm. but it these things all depend on whether you can get funding and whether you can get people interested in your stuff. Are you are you guys interested in having users uh, put their own data up there? Absolutely. Yeah. If if they if they can if they can give us a but we need some structure in it. We need to know right. whether the coordinates are right, and, and, and we would want some stuff. But we're open for that, and I think we've always said, you know, if you contribute, it's okay. But up to now, it was that we basically had to go all over the internet and say, oh, I can see they have some stuff there. And then there was this portal, and then you would have to ask for the CD-ROMs. And, yeah. and <laughs> But one of the features of... Um, the Open Seismic repository, which I really like, and has actually been one of the great things about Open Detect as well, is that you guys have always been very clear about licensing. You, or, or, I, I, when I look at sort of uh, even the open science landscape, but certainly open geoscience stuff, you know, it's very common to find data sets. Well, I mean, just look at half of the SEG sort of the uh, models and, and so on. Um, or cruise the stuff that comes out of the cruise project, you know, which everyone talks about as yeah. open data sets, but there's no it's license like, no, and you don't true. know what it is and you don't know who has the original copy or what, whether it's even what you have is like a bootleg or whatever. And you guys have always been very kind of, you know, clear about licensing. And I think that's really well, important. I, I can still remember I, at a certain point, I ordered this cruise data set mm, the black and book. it cost me like uh, 80 euros mm -hmm. and it came and it turned out to be nothing, complete shit, nothing. It was just yeah. some, some, some documentation. What the? What the okay. Well, I, I've, I've had that DVD. The, my DVD does actually have some data on it, but I mean, it's pretty raw, like well, yeah, it, there's some component data. field data. I'm like, I don't really know what to do with this. Who wouldn't but, want to have nine component field data for real in actual? Just give it to the community and let them do yeah. stuff with it. No, no, it has to be sponsored this only and well, it's copyright and you can't you can't use it for commercial purposes, whatever that means. And that is not yeah, so it's basically format. useless. No, I know. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, I can't even test. I mean they can tell me that it's like I mean it, 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 it's almost like climate science, you know. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say that. Let's okay, so changing subjects here. Let's uh let's talk about the cloud again. So are, are we uh you're going to see Open Detect in the cloud soon? Yes. Oh. But Open Detect already runs. We have uh, running instances in Amazon virtual machines. Hmm. But what I'm doing right now is making sure that you can, uh, normally, if you want to select a SegWi file or something, you have to select on your local disk something. Right. And then you say, no, I want to have it from Azure or from Amazon. Hmm. And it will have this uh, selector, and you pick one, and it will take it in. Yeah. And it, nice. it will basically, you can have your entire survey while you're working locally or there. But I think the future is, I mean, this is like for a few years, because in a few years, you won't even have your local things running anymore. Right. You just have right. a little window there that runs in the cloud. And that's already there. Yep. I've seen it working, and you can have arbitrary large machines and everything. It's just that there's quite a bit of money involved. You have to pay, mm -hmm. pay yes, these indeed. Amazons a lot of, a lot of money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that is that is the future. I, 
I can't see anything. How, why would an, an oil company have a large data center with all kinds of people they pay to do stuff? It's completely non-core for them. They should just basically move everything into the cloud. Make sure that all the applications are cloud ready, and, and be done with it. How much uh, interest, Bert, have you had from, say, Amazon in sort of you know? Are they interested in what you guys are, are trying to do yes, there? Yes. Uh, Microsoft. I, I'm now working on Azure first because they were the most helpful ones. Okay. And Amazon uh, looks helpful, but they, you know, if if you're a program, what you need is some example code that really shows what you're asking. Yeah. So I want to know how do I open a stream and then uh, you know that kind of thing, and and Amazon was just like uh, he was dropping links on me. You could use this and that, and then I still don't have what I need, so I have to figure everything out myself. So I started with Azure. With where there was this guy, he did really. He went into this. Said, okay, this is the code that I made. This does what you just described, and now I'm integrating that. Of course, right. it's Microsoft, so it doesn't work nicely on Linux. It's a lot of work to get it working. They always say that they're uh, that they're committed to it, but they're not really. So this guy from Microsoft, he also said, "Yeah, it's I don't really know because I'm always working on Windows. Yeah, that's fun, but I'm not working on Windows, and it's very essential for us that we keep this platform independent." Dependency. So here's a here's a new um, contest, Matt, for the software underground. Let's uh, spin up a cloud-based open detect instance and have folks process data, interpret data in some way, and come with a winner. I don't know. Well, but th that is not there yet. I mean, you need version 7, and we're now at 6. And in version 7, there will be a full cloud. Uh, I can't put that in 6, because it's just yeah. break all the interfaces. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we so, we're waiting with bated breath. When's 7 coming out? Um, well, I would. What the least I want, so it's 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 not up to me anymore. I, I basically stepped out of the line a bit, but what I want is that the SEG conference. I want to have a development release out, cool. so that at least people can start looking at it, so a preview release, whatever you call it. Um, but it's all about resources, and and it's just hard because we even had to, you know, it has been a rough time, and we had to let some people go. And it's just very hard to have the resources because we need people to do bug fixing. We need people to do things that actually bring in money, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm constantly fighting to get people on this cloud stuff. And uh, it's it's very hard to get that. And also I need some people to do that because I also have made all kinds of improvements on color tables, uh, multi-threading behavior, uh, the database. All these things, they need people working on it. I can't do everything myself. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. difficult. It's just difficult. It's just, uh, uh, I can't get everybody. So what I'm trying to do is is like what you had. You, can you remember the SETI uh, searches yeah. that you could basically <laughs> oh, yeah. stuff? So that's what I want to do. So if somebody is not directly on a paying thing, I grab him and say, can you it's, do this? It's developer <laughs> time scavenging. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. That, that, you just need an API for it. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a nine-minute task. <laughs> Who's got nine minutes? <laughs> yeah, well, that would be that would be if you had non-human helpers. Right. Probably in five years, Matt would probably know more about that. But you could probably adapt Uber's software to to that <laughs> problem <laughs> with like bidding on cost and stuff like that. It's actually a intriguing idea. 
Yeah, there's the, uh, what is that called? Amazon? Um... On the Mechanical Turk? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, it's uh, but that's that's basically what we're in at the moment. So we have uh, uh, things are picking up. So we we I think we have crossed the real danger point. So it's like we, but it's it's going slowly up, and and mm. and we all now you know, in in the past we all knew that it's going up anyway, but now we don't really know. No, no, yeah. feels it's, like it could do anything. Yeah, it could do anything. So that that's. Uh, yeah, let's see what happens. You know, that's the uh, but but the problem at the moment is resources for me. So I'm 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 basically trying to get this seven out in in there, and I hope to be able to do it. Let's say at the first of next year. Yeah. But I'm I'm a bit pessimistic on that, but I can at least show you what's going to be there and what we think is the direction of all these things. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's great to see it continue to grow as a tool. I mean, like you said, in back in 2002, open source software was, I mean, almost unheard of. And even today, even if there is quite a bit of open source geophysical software around, there's not a lot of it that's, you know, maintained, well documented, plug-inable, and that, that, that's supported. The because if you look at, for example, if this document I made for BG. I said, you know, there's like a couple of things you can do. You can do Java size, you can do uh, mm -hmm. RSF, you can do, but most of it is, the problem with it is that it doesn't, it's like academic products that mm. basically nobody cares about them. It's kind but of a it, hack. There is, yeah. uh, there's always somebody caring about it, but you need more than just simple caring. It has to be at least like five, six people yeah. moving it forward full time. And and you can also do that with a large community. You look at Apache and those kind of things, but mm -hmm. it's either or. And the whole idea of saying, well, you know, we have had this project within Conoco or something, and we just throw it towards the user community. You have to do work. You yeah. have to make sure that people start getting involved. That it's that that it's that it that it's not stopping there. That it keeps growing. Yeah. I mean, if you have software that works now. Well, you know, you have to put maintenance on it because it won't work tomorrow anymore. You know that. Yeah. yeah. And and apart from that, it's out of date tomorrow. So, you know, it, it, but try to, to build something from a, a package of something from, from 10 years ago. You, you can't, it, you can't even build it. No. It's impossible. I feel, I feel like, um, I don't know, people have a hard time still in our business, at least, seeing past the immediate revenue problem like well that's great that sounds awesome but how am i going to make my numbers next quarter seeing past that to the day when the tool is you know widespread and depended upon and becomes a framework or a platform for for bigger and sort of better things which seems like kind of what's happened yeah. with say i don't know well with linux i mean linux is you know the preeminent example i guess but i mean Big successful like QGIS, say, um, which I think of as sort of a little bit similar to Open Detect in some ways. But I mean, people support that tool because it's now part of the fabric of the sort of GIS community, and enough exactly. people depend on it. Enough governments and uh, academics and companies depend on it that it's become a platform, and it's what you develop into. If you're still, not using still, it's always in danger because 
look at, we, for example, we had this 3D visualization platform, Coin. It's open and free. It just disappeared. The key people were hmm. were bought. What was that? I don't know what that what that was. Coin, C O I N. So that's why I was. You, know, you guys had this coin uh, riddle before, but oh. coin was uh, it was a uh, well. It's still. I'm not really sure whether it's still there, but it's it's a 3D visualization tool toolkit okay. in C plus plus. That oh. that was good, but we couldn't keep using it because it was dying. See. And and that you you have constantly have these choices to make, so we have we've chosen Qt as the as the user interface, and we've chosen Open Scene Graph as our three D visualization. Again, you know, there's one guy, Robert, um, I can't remember his last name, a Scottish guy, who's basically the center of all the activity in this community. If he goes away, it's it's gone. Of OSG. With OSG, yeah, I'm, right. I'm. Well, I'm not really, sure. but it's, 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 it, it loses momentum, and mo losing momentum is, is usually a sign of that it's, it's not going on, and yeah. then VTK may take over the whole thing, right? Because VTK is still active, and it, it does Python and everything, and it's, you know, so. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a beast, though. Exactly, that was our. It's a, we, what we want is something that's really dedicated. Mm. Uh, not too much around it. <coughs> but I feel like you can read your email in VTK. It's kind of like Emacs. It's yeah. like, you want to play Space yeah, Invaders? Yeah. Great. We have a plugin for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so that, that's that's really, uh, it, it is actually a problem in, 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 in grander, in, in bigger design, is if you make, if you have to take in all kinds of dependencies, mm. you can see that with uh, what Microsoft just delivered, the CPP REST stuff. It's dependent on so many libraries that it it becomes a problem. Right. I can't just deliver my software that works on all Linux uh, uh, platforms. So do you, I have do you two guys, choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. I was I was just going to ask uh, when you, you mentioned Linux there. Like, do you know roughly what the install base distribution of operating systems is like for OpenDetect? Like, is it kind of Mostly Windows and yeah. then a bit of Linux like and a bit of Mac and Windows. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, and uh, I would say uh, close to twenty percent Linux then, and then uh, close to zero uh, Mac. Oh wow! I'm the That's... only Mac guy. I can't be. <laughs> well, there, there, there are a few, and and they are active. So that's. Okay. I mean, we want to keep Mac. I mean, it's it's not that we are going to drop it. It's just that there's not a lot of active people. Uh, there's not a lot of people actually. Paying. There's none paying, no, but there's right. not a lot of people involved. It's, the people who do, they are uh, motivated. By the uh, way, I guess we should mention on here. How how does Open Detect make money? We make money with uh, well, we have like many ways to make money. So, <laughs> um, but first we have our plugins that are paid. So we have paid plugins, things like uh, access to data stores, like access to Petrel. You have to have uh, an OpenDetect Plus license. It's still dirt cheap compared to what Petrel was doing themselves, but it's still you have to pay it. So do we make money out of that? We have stuff like Horizon Cube stuff that is paid, so there's a license on it. Second thing is that we uh, we of course we know OpenDetect quite well, and you can do quite some 
specific stuff very well with it, attribute analysis, those kind of things. So we also do studies for oil companies and very sometimes non-oil companies, but 98% oil companies to to uh, to do work for them with OpenDetect. So, gotcha. th so that's the second. Well, the third is basically that you can uh, you can have us develop hey. plugins. Mm -hmm. Hey, somebody said hey. Okay, <laughs> so you can have us develop plugins. Uh, that, that's what British Gas did a lot. So they basically wanted to have a lot of functionality. They didn't care whether it get we put it in open in in, uh, in the open domain or in our closed domain. We always put it in the open domain, and they just paid for the development. And that was still quite a lot cheaper than to have bespoke separate software making. Right for them. So that was win-win. We got advancement of OpenDetect, and they got uh, what they wanted, basically. So they, they said, well, we need something there. And they gave us a lot of freedom, so we they were really we could really work agile. And that worked very well. Of course, BG is now gone. <laughs> so And there's not a lot of this, this work uh, left at this point in time. The oil companies all have more or less shut down this whole branch of work. Well, I urge our listeners to go over to the OpenDetect website, which is linked in the show notes, and go spend some money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots hey, of money. Hey, so, Bert. one thing about this, uh, I just want to say because Matt was just touching this, it's 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 not just that you can't find the people who have the trust themselves that that this will be something. It's also that the outside world should give it the benefit of the doubt in many cases. They should mm. say, okay. It's not that it may not be as good as this professional product, but I ought to, I should use this because it's the only open thing and everything I put in here is, is, is helping a community rather than only a company. So that, that's really, I think, you know, if you go to all companies, they just routinely buy lots and lots of these, these, I, I, I let me not mention the name, but these these packages that you can buy for right. hundreds of thousands case. Yep. And they just say, well, you know, open is not good enough. Well, it it ain't. Yeah. I well, it's good enough. I think it's good enough, but it's not as good maybe as those ones. But it will not get that way. And also you might be able to do with a little bit less. Mm -hmm. But that that doesn't come that's not they just say, well these are the requirements. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then we say, well, we can do uh, one to eight, nine, we can do half, and 10 is a bit of a problem. Well, okay. <laughs> I've never seen a software tool, though, that, like, I've been involved in lots of those assessments, those software needs, you know, um, assessments and so on. And if they're not basically just reverse engineered right off the bat, <laughs> so in other words, you know, someone's already made the decision and it's just like, let's choose the parameters that allow us to make that, to justify that decision retroactively. Um, you know, so if they haven't been contaminated like that, you can go and ask, I mean, you can go and ask Landmark, hey, can we do these things with decision space? Of course they're going to say, yeah, you definitely can. But I mean, every single one of those things, or let's say 50% of them, are going to be a workaround. Yep. And they're not going to tell you that. But I mean fundamentally that's just that's software isn't it there isn't if there is something out there that does everything it'll be a nightmare to use anyway because it'll have so many buttons on it that you can't actually sort of get your work done so 
have you you probably worked with the main the main package in the area it is like that it's yes almost it, impossible right. to find anything yes it is and 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 consequently actually it's 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 you know ironically from their point of view really difficult to do what i think of as really easy things simple things i should say that do actually yeah. hidden away or it's very difficult to understand how to achieve them and you know one of the things i mean i th actually would say that open detect is quite full featured um you know it, it really does do most of what you want and the beauty is that if it doesn't do something you can go and write a plugin to do the bit you want um which most people will never consider no it's something you have to think about but then sure. you know if, if you really need something it's on the budgets what we do nowadays still is to to sell stuff like a combination we do a, a study for you and in the process we make some new stuff yes it's all very acceptable it's really a model that we really like yes and um well but it, it's it's as i said i mean it's it's like there is simply no it, if if we were green and we would be you know like circular in, in economy etc we could actually go out and, and tell these companies hey you should use us no matter whether we are the best or not but we can't yeah. do that but i think it is a similar situation it's similar situation i mean we, we we are trying to make things in such a way that you can see how it's done and what is going on yes. and other people can actually work with it and that, and then you go to to the schlumbergers and say well you can also work with trail yeah you can do that but that means you have to have a 30k just to get one developer's license yeah and then you you pay like another 30k just to be able to show it to somebody else right and then the yeah, data you make cannot be used by anybody else because for that you need at least 100k yeah so so how open is that no i mean it's not it's not open at all and you know and i think your it's, argument it's, stands it's up yeah i can tell you, we have a connector to pretrail and this connector has a fundamental design that you can simply access it from any operating system with any amount of users. You can basically, because it it basically queues everything and then it... Hmm. That's interesting. We can't, we can't deliver it. You cannot use it like that because they make, they have made a special clause. Oh, I see. In their agreement that you can only get a developer if you agree that you only work local from the same machine same user Ugh. why so would you get yourself into that into why would you sign a contract like that you know because we can all our all the people that that, that no no not you guys like okay. why do you why do these companies because they, they, that terms would cost like that loads of money that will cost them loads of money yeah. because we basically have the whole data loading section they could do people could do lots of stuff they could have like a hundred people interpreting with just two patrol licenses yeah right because we could basically queue up everything no they just they just sell it in the back of their heads that all these licenses they're just used for a fraction of what they really are after and they're just extremely expensive yeah yeah and that is the situation and that's just because oil industry never cared they no. just said well you know it has to be the best and this is the best and usually it's also they have what you call what i would call fake requirements yeah. which is requirements that are just like you said reversed engineered to match the product 
yeah and there's this sort of um all the time there's this like the microsoft effect where you know if you're if you're purchasing business productivity tools you know choosing microsoft for that is is a sort of um irreproachable decision right no one's ever going to come and say that was a crazy decision what were you thinking it's like same same thing with Petrel. it's like yeah okay you chose Petrel. that's like the boring choice and you, you're not going to get fired for it it's risk-free and it's uh, <laughs> and and it's same with microsoft is also in another way it's very very uh, illustrative if, if you go into any microsoft thing like you you use their their cloud thing or whatever you will find yourself slowly drawn into that you can't go back because they have all these special things that will only mm -hmm. work on windows that will only work with this and that so i'm now trying to use an emulator for azure that is on linux and it's not by microsoft because they only have that on windows you know right. so they, they 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 are not committed to it they just do it to keep appearances happy yeah. and that what what's so sad and I think Microsoft is actually transforming. So Microsoft is going the right way, and so yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not angry at Microsoft anymore. Like I was like ten years ago. <laughs> no, that, I'm they still angry at be. those other, those other big ones who, who are basically just muscling out everybody, not on the grounds of that it's good or anything. They're just using their their position. Yeah. Uh, well, no, yeah, I, I think that you can't compete. That you can't compete with. Yeah, and I, I think your arguments, like, you know, you could say, well, you know, sh at the end of the day, Shell can do whatever they like or, or whatever, which, yeah. you know, is, is true. But I think your arguments stand up especially well when you're talking about government. And I, th I think I think that you can make a really strong case that governments um, should just, on a matter of principle, use and support open source software yeah. in the interest of transparent you government. You make a strong case. And it still doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know whether you've been in a position, but it still doesn't work because still, because in the government, the government is driven by a little bit. It's driven partly the same as the Shell people, but in a large part, it's driven by this cover your ass. Right. So it's again, it's a safe choice. They can do the safe choice or take us. And if they take us, they have just a few people who say, well, that's the right thing to do. You're a good guy. But most of the people don't care less, couldn't care less. And they are ready to hack you, they chop your head off if something goes wrong. Right. And that's really what happens. So, but we are in, so I, I shouldn't say, because we are actually working with, with, with our governments at the moment. And we hope that it will pan out. But if you look at for TNO and, and it's 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 the National Geological Survey, they have loads and loads of of licenses of petrol. And yeah. I I might may be corrected, but they may have one or two things from OpenDTA, but I think it's zero. Right. So they, they're simply not so there's a guy who worked for DGB. It's a, he he's now at at TNO and, and he's using OpenDTA and he knows all kinds of stuff. That others can't do because they only have petrol. Yeah, of course. And he likes to do this, and it's good, but it's it's just not what they do. Yeah. They work with petrol. That's what they do. Yeah, it's funny how we we have created a weird um, like one of the things that really winds me up when I see professors sort of trumpeting, being very proud of 
getting their students into patrol as it because because it's become or we've made it somehow so important that they have that on their CVs or whatever when they graduate and that that makes me I'm I find that very frustrating yeah, that we've science what happens to science? What happens to science if? Yeah, and just general skills. Start, start, start patenting stuff. Right. Well, what yeah. is going on here? Yeah. Yeah, we we have to pay back the society because they've put in money. That is totally against the whole idea of of sharing knowledge and and and, and it's yeah it's mind-boggling, really. Yeah, no, you're right. They are let letting the side down i think when they when they do that by not promoting openness and uh a sense of uh, and reproducibility and a sort of sense of community and doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do <laughs> you know that's that is really it but it's a real missed opportunity but this is a sign i'm just reading a book now uh, that oh, i have read the book but it's it's like how society it's basically that managers come in everywhere and take over mm. as if they know they, they that is the new goal. The goal is to make everything manageable. So right. if you come into a university and say, well, you know, I can see money coming in, money going out. I can see a way to, to have less money so I'm less dependent on the state. I'll do it. Hey, hold on. But that's not what we should be doing, right? We shouldn't mm -hmm. be having patents because patents are the original sin. They're really obstructing all things that we find good. Well, I don't care because it gives this. So yeah. it's happening everywhere. It's why the banks fail. So I, I just have this little book and it just explains that this is what's happening. The yeah, entire it's sort society of the, uh, is being poisoned with it, this kind the, of thinking. The embrace of key performance indicators over key principles and yeah, yeah, and just, yeah, just, yeah, you're right. It's the difference between an indicator and actual performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Totally. Well, but I, I, if uh, if uh, DGB want to pay me on the lines of code that I produce, <laughs> right. I can generate a few here and there. <laughs> no, but it, right. yeah, you're right. It's uh... well, that's that problem solved. So yeah, what are so, you reading so now? <laughs> what am I reading? I'm now I'm now reading the uh, a book about the uh, nudge. It's called nudge. So it's about that your choices can be engineered. Without dictating what you choose, you can basically make them uh, steered by somebody. So they give a nice example when they start that if you have a, a cafeteria where school children eat, by putting the vegetables in front, you could get better choices. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not basic. You're not coercing anything. You're just saying twenty percent more fruit is eaten, which is good. Well, that's a good example, but of course there are also examples in which you say this is really very nasty. But yes, uh, well, that's a book I'm reading, and um, I'm reading a lot every every single time. Yeah. Uh, KJ Parker. You know KJ Parker? No. I've never read any Parker. I know. No, 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 because it's 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 quite unknown. But it's fantasy without magic. Okay. It's a uh, historical. Well, it's historical, but not real historical. So, okay, it is a different country, but it's like in medieval, but a little bit not, and uh, quite funny and really good. So it's uh, 
what am I? No, it's but uh, it, it's also um, what I'm also uh, interested in is it's it's really with my son. My son is uh, at a certain point he uh, became interested in. Um, uh, he was you could elect him. The the young people could elect him as being the representative to the EU for the youth in the Netherlands, but not anything, but only on uh, how do you call it durability? Just. Um, so uh, some kind of environmental thing. Okay, but sustainability. So sustainable, that's the word I can't. So um, he was beaten. Okay, that's too bad. And um, oh, well, it's too bad, but why was he beaten? Well, the point was that this guy he was up against, I, you know, I saw a debate. The guy he was up against had no chance at all he was completely swept away. He didn't know anything. But he did have a community of people on Facebook. So, <laughs> no, the elections were on Facebook, and he won with a landslide. Mm. It's as simple as that. Huh. That's, <laughs> so this that's is why... eerily sort of <laughs> reflective of the real world. reflective of real world. But yeah. we, we didn't think of it like that. And now we're thinking about all these things. One of the things is that there is like a, a technology that can make basically energy dirt cheap and uh, you don't need oil, you don't need anything. And it's called thorium. Uh, it's melting, it, it's using up metals. Mm -hmm. It's 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 not, there's no radio radioactive problem. There is no, no, no waste problem. There is no, the, the, there is more than enough for thousands of years. Uh, it's just energy. So, it's never developed. Why isn't that the case? So you, if you look at it on the internet, you can find people who are enthusiastic. And, and I think India is actually starting to, to go along this path. It's not there because after the Second World War, they chose uranium, which is very, very dangerous stuff, right. very bad stuff for everybody. And now everybody thinks nuclear energy is a bad thing, but it's not. It's the future. It's the only future we have. And it can make, because after nuclear splitting or whatever you call it with thorium, is the fusion. Right. So that's the way ahead. It's the only way ahead. But what you see now is that people are going backward. They want to go backward. They want to consume less energy. And they want to make sure that, that we go back to the state that everybody gets the their the, the food from directly the farmer that's across the yard. And I think that is just, I mean, I, I, I know this feeling, it feels right. It feels nicer because I can watch it grow and then I can cut it and I can eat it. And my father was a farmer's son and we always had this crop, our own little crop, etc. But it's backward thinking, similar with, with renewable fuels. It's super backward thinking. I would say the, the worst destruction at this point in time is going on because of renewable fuels. Why is that? You tell me. Renewable fuels are, are, are cutting down uh, tropical rainforest at this point in time, and lots of it. Oh, for pulp, you mean, for sort of a biomass? Pulp and for, for oil, palm oil, and, and all these things. That is what happens. And then, of course, if you make these plantations, then the small farmers ha have no other place to go than yet another piece of true rainforest. Right. 
uh, in the Netherlands, we had a, we have the situation that 5% of the uh, electricity uh, generating center, I don't know these, where, you, where the electricity comes from, is now from renewable energy. What do they do? They basically cut woods in Canada to fuel it. Yeah, that's right. How bad can you be? It's The problem is not fossil fuels. The problem is the destruction of the world. That is the problem. And we, we better stop doing that right now and, and stop with this ridiculous idea that CO2 is, 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 a, is something bad. CO2 is not bad at all. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that the natural thing that should really make sure that everything is okay. Yeah, if you also destroy that, then what can you do? Then it will never, because desertification is the problem. You could see that in this YouTube video that I basically uh, forced you guys to watch. We have it linked in the show notes as well. You should check it out. It's a fascinating talk. It's a fascinating talk, but I mean, it, it, can you argue against this before and after? I mean, if you look at this before and after pictures, these photos, what on earth are we doing? It's crazy. And Everybody I think... has to become a vegetarian. Why? Yeah. Everybody has to, have to has to stop. I mean, it, it's... No. Don't go backward. Go forward. There's always a solution. We can do it. We've always been able to do it. But if you if you start doing things like uh, that, that are not really solutions, like trading CO2 rights and those kind of things, then you'll get stuff that 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 is parasiting on that similar to 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 well this is what you see in many situations that the paras parasites take over the whole thing take stock markets the parasites take over the whole thing <laughs> yes yes stock indeed. Were there for companies to get easier money and what is happening now is that people are just making money by just doing parasite stuff Stuff that's not contributing to our society at all. Yeah, it's uh, it's true. I mean, there's all sorts of things mixed up in there too, aren't there? Like subsidies and so on that that have these bizarre effects. Like yeah, like you say, shipping biomass from Nova Scotia to the UK because there are renewable fuel subsidies there for power generation. But clearly, as a as a system, it makes no sense at all. It's not just as a system. It's it's extremely bad. We have a real forest with biodiversity. And we're replacing it with something without biodiversity. Right. If right. we replace it in the first place, that right. is destruction. And you yeah. can compare it to what happened in our uh, cities in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s of the 20th century. Basically, they destroyed all the nice old buildings to put up all kinds of new stuff. And the destruction is going on. Why? Because there is a group of architects saying that this is what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We should get, make sure that at least the destruction is stopping. The destruction should stop right now. And why isn't that happening? Because everybody is have, has their attention on CO2. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. CO2? <laughs> Tell that to somebody 30 years ago. They would say, that's yeah, impossible. People can't be, can't be serious about that. Every single prediction these climatologists have made has not been right on the market. They've always failed. The hockey stick, can you remember the hockey stick? If that was not, you know, if that wasn't a 
a forgery, if that wasn't on purpose, then at least it was extremely dumb work because it wasn't true. And they admitted it, but that we don't care. We have the new thing, the amount of ice in the Arctic. Well, you may remember that in geological times, most of the times there were no ice caps. Can you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Well, it's change, isn't it? It's, I mean, people are afraid of, uh, of any kind of change, which is why a lot of... Why conservation is called conservation. <laughs> it's all but about maintaining, maintaining the status quo because people are terrified so, of... Conserve the oceans, for God's sake. Get the, yeah. the big trawlers out of the oceans right yeah. now. Absolutely. All the money that's now in the CO2 idiocy has to go to real protection of real things that are being destroyed right now as we speak. Yeah. You can well, simply buy all these ships that are fishing and basically kick them on land. And nobody will care because they have their money. Why isn't that done? Because there's so much money in this so-called green economy. Well, I invite our listeners to continue the debate on the software underground. Unfortunately, we're out of time today, but I want to thank Bert for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks, Bert. Did we discuss any geological thing? <laughs> I think so. There was a bit in the middle there. <laughs> All right, audience. See you next time, next week on Under Sampled Radio.